Welcome to Thawhead. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thought Hack. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsors, Catalyst Case, and and team over at Catalyst Case for being so um, supportive, or whatever we want to call it, of of the Thought Hack brand. So um, our guest this week is, and let me know if I'm saying this properly, Eric Cabral. Perfect, oh, Eric, you're the um, host of On Air Brands. Now uh, we could we could notice the the brand on the mic there, and really. <laughs> Really quick, if you could walk me through what On Air Brands does or represents. Yeah, On Air Brands is a podcast production and creative agency. Uh, we we mostly serve, uh, the, the, the majority of our clients are real estate investors, but we have all sorts of types of clients that we produce podcasts for. Um, we, we do that for, for one of our clients in VaynerMedia, as well as um, some other agencies and um, some other big brands. But yeah, we we produce for people that either need a brand, want a brand, want to get their voice and message out there, uh, whether they have a podcast solution idea or not, or we work with them to launch it. Uh, and we also take on podcasters that um, that need a, an extra boost, an extra level. Um, they want to level up and they want to find out new ways to to get their word out there. So we kind of amplify their their current existing podcasts. What what got you into podcasting initially? Oh man, it was really honestly to to serve and build my own personal brand. Um, I was doing so many different types of things as an entrepreneur. You, I'm sure you get it, like shiny yeah. object syndrome, always chasing like something new and yeah. getting very distracted. But so at the time, I was doing a lot of uh, real estate investing, and then I was also building on air brands. So people were always confused when they saw me. They'd be like, Eric, what do you do, man? You, you are you in real estate? Are you a creative? What do you do? And I'm like. I need to put this all under one house so people can just go visit and listen and check out what I'm doing. So that's really when I started Entrepreneur Circle, my my personal brand podcast. Um, and then it evolved from there, you know, as I started interviewing people and really using it as a place to learn, you know, because I was getting people that are super successful and just extracting knowledge from them because I needed it as I was growing business. Still do, always uh, trying to level up. And um, they would hear their own episodes, honestly, uh, Reginald. And they were, um, they were like, how did you do that? Sounds great, man. My episode was awesome. Can you do it for me? So then me turned into we and then turned into a company. So it was pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's a really like cool organic way of like just sort of growing out. Like it's actually one of the reasons I started Thought Hack just to figure out and reverse engineer cool things that other people have done and figure out whether or not it can work in my own life, like, you know, kind of take what works, leave what doesn't, that type of thing. Yeah. So entrepreneurship for me, the the journey has been this long one. I actually have people ask me the same question about, well, what do you do exactly? I kind of gave up trying to define it. I mean, I guess if I have to give it a title, I usually say serial entrepreneur or whatever. But I mean, to be honest, I just kind of do what I want. If I could somehow figure out the bandwidth issues or being on, bring on partners or whatever it is to make it work. I'm just, I'm just going after, I guess it's that shiny thing syndrome or whatever you call it. Um, in terms of entrepreneurship, what, what's your process? What works for you? Uh, focus, you know, that, that is the answer today. That should be the answer every day. It's because, um, 
I, I had to realize and remind myself that there is no such thing as multitasking, right? It's really just spreading your attention on multiple things, which doesn't move the needle right away. Like it's, if you're, if I forgot the statistic, uh, Reggie, do people call you Reggie or is it always Yeah, most Reggie? people call me Reg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Reg, the, the thing that um, I, I had to understand very quickly it. Multitasking doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve us well anyway, because what you're doing is when you stop something and and you move to another task, the time it takes for you to get back in the rhythm and flow of the task you were doing before, you just wasted minutes, maybe hours trying to get back into that flow. So collectively, you're losing tons and tons of time by multitasking because if you just knock it out, it's, it's the perfect example for me is like if you're driving down the road and you've, you you put into your GPS, go point A to point B, but you know there's one direct path, right, which is focus, or you can pull aside, go to a go to a Seven Eleven, you know, go to a Target, go to whatever, and pull to the side. You're still getting to your destination, but it's going to take you a lot longer to get there because you're distracted and multitasking <laughs> along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I, that might be something I struggle with personally because there are so many things that interest me, you know, and mm-hmm. my, my solution was once I sort of like, for instance, real estate, I feel like building out my real estate business is something that's very scalable. And once I got it to a certain point, I could just hire property managers. And once they kind of got involved I don't have to focus or give it as much attention. I don't know if I'm wrong in that or, I mean, well, time will tell. Yeah, uh, yeah. I agree to a degree um, yeah. because I'm guilty of the same thing. I started a real estate investing company, bought my first multifamily, and now focus completely on on my, my creative agency with On Air Brands. I have to admit to you, it's been two years. I have not grown. I have my portfolio has not grown in an active way. Like I'm not actively investing. I'm not looking for deals because I'm super focused looking for new clients to serve. So yes, I've grown in terms of like real estate passively investing. So just like participating mm-hmm. and giving them money for their deals, but I'm not the operator. I'm not the one doing the work. But um, that's that's growing slowly, but that still needs my attention, right? It's and, and like you said, there's ways to carve out and there's ways to multitask. And I do that through um through through blocking my calendar. So like my days, so like for podcasting, for instance, people are always like, How how do I work in podcasting into my life? I'm so busy. I get it. Aren't we all? It's really about managing your time. So I just block certain days. So for for instance, today I've got a certain block where I'm just gonna record episodes. And then that's predictable. That's systematized. Um, I, dude, it's always a, a journey. It's always a journey to, to elevate and, and to evolve because um, we get tempted. And but so many distractions, so many things that are like opportunities to us. Yeah. yeah. Saying no was a struggle for me. Yeah. Saying no to things that I really wanted to say yes to because it's like, dude, I have no more room on my plate. That sounds amazing. I would love to check that out. But I just don't. I don't have the bandwidth right now. Yeah. No is so powerful because when you say yes to everything, you're saying no to something else, right? Another opportunity, another person, another, you know, time with family. Like there's something that's happening when you say yes to everything, something else is getting pushed to the side. So that was powerful for me too, that um, like I said yes to everything when I started, I had to, right? In order to grow. And now we finally gotten to the point where I'm trying to exercise and make a habit of saying no to things. 
Um, or at least saying no. And if they keep coming back, then eventually I'll say yes. But it's kind of a test, right? I have clients that we've turned away and um, they came back two or three times. Like, please, please, please. I'm like, okay, let's, let's try to make this work because you really seem passionate about working with us. I mean, I, I obsessed for a really long time over just building out passive businesses. It's like, how do I, I walk into a situation, I hyper-focus for a couple of months, build it out, at least sort of put together some type of foundation, bring in other people, mm-hmm. and, and hire them to sort of run said business while I move on to the next project. I mean, there there have definitely been some misses, but there's there's been some successes there too. Yeah. How do you figure out what is worth your time and what isn't, and how quickly does it take you to get to that point where you're like, okay, I know this is a waste of time. Let me move yeah. on. I literally have something on my wall here, and I'm going to read to you because I'm not going to be able to. Uh, mem- I don't have it memorized. Yeah. Literally, dude, check this out. This is really cool. So, um, you know, it, 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 it says here, and this is hang- always hanging on my wall because I'm guilty of like wanting to, op- to jump into every opportunity. Uh, but the, this is what I consider when, when um, you know, there's a new business venture or something that uh, a partner that I could join. And number one, it's I have to truly love uh, the project. You know, whatever the mission is, the goal behind whatever they're doing or whatever uh, the project is about, I have to love it. Um, so, cause I'll put energy behind that. And then, um, the, the second priority is, um, I, it, it, yeah, what is, what is my bandwidth? Like I have, lim- you know, we, you and I have limited time every day, so yeah. we have to make sure that you can participate and you can pour the energy into it, right. You, it, it and, and it be productive for that, for that, whatever that project is. Number three is, uh, building a strong team. Like who is going to be involved in this project? Like who are the people that I trust in that can take the reins if I'm, you know, going to move out of it or if I'm not going to participate in as much? Do you only need me in the beginning? Do you need me for the whole duration of the project? Um, how much time and energy is number four? I have to evaluate that. How much time and energy am I going to commit to this before I be, you know, before considering it? So I have to evaluate that. How much time and energy uh, do I have to put into it? And then the last thing is um, I always consider the worst case scenarios, you know, with this partnership, with this JV, with whatever this opportunity is. And am I willing to take that risk? If it's something that's massive, for example, there was a client that came and um, it could have potentially ruined our reputation. And, you know, reputation is everything in this business, everything. And I was like, wait a minute, I know you're trying to write a big check and I appreciate that. But this is a too big of a risk for us to take because this might ruin our reputation. So yeah, that that those are the five things that I consider. I always look to this piece of paper when the opportunities come because I'm like, okay, let me evaluate all these steps. One of one of the things I I talk to, um, I don't like to put anyone in in a certain box. Even when we bring in like I guess partners or whatever, I don't like to hand out jobs unless I'm like hiring specifically for like if i have a a coffee shop and i need like a pour or like whatever you want to call it we're hiring for that but in terms of media whenever we bring in talented people i don't like to give them a specific job because i'm like i don't know what you're going to be good at like let's kind of figure out where you you fit in and you float around or whatever how do you figure out where you put your partners how much responsibility you give them how much control you're you're willing to relinquish that type of thing 
it 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 it's all about trust, right? And it's all about uh, what what is their zone of genius? You know, what's their superpower? Um, I I have like an instinct that I trust. Um, there's a lot of people that rely heavily on like disc assessments and some personality assessments. Um, it's always funny because whenever you know, because I have people on my team where they 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 lean on that. They're like, I want to look at the data and then I'll decide if we should we should hire this person. I'm like, I had a five minute conversation with the person. I could tell I don't want to hire them. And then they go through the process. They go through the data. Go through the disc assessments. And then I'm like, you see. It was like, I could tell because my bones, you know, I went my, with my gut. I could tell, yeah, there was something, something a little off or something that was great about them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that conversations, especially when finding people to join the team, whether it's all the way down to someone who's just, who's going to be writing blogs all the way up to, you know, like the COO or CEO for a company. Um, I have to feel like they have a passion and energy that won't stop like they will run through a freaking brick wall because they believe in the core values and the message and the mission behind everything that we do so if i can get a sense reggie it, that someone would actually work with us for free because that's how passionate they are about it then all aboard come on in let's do this let's make it work and let's figure out not just throwing you in the bus but figuring out what you want to do like we want the right people on the bus but we also want to lean into your zone of genius. We want to lean into what you love to do. Because if you have somebody come on and they think they're a great writer or they think they're a great this or that, and it's like, maybe that's what you think, but I noticed that you're great at managing people or you're great at systems and, and processes. You, you, Someone may have been telling you all your life, you're a great writer, but yeah, you're okay. So we want to make sure that we recognize what they're great at and then support that. And if they want to do something else on the side, we're all in support of that too. It's like, we will give you all the tools and whatever you need to, to execute on what you want to do in life because um, that's the opposite of what I experienced growing up and coming through corporate America. Is like, just shut up, sit down, do your work, and we don't care about your life. And I was like, I, whenever, if I ever have my own company, I'm going to make sure it's the opposite. We're just going to love on people and support them and make sure that they feel fulfilled. That's a really awesome point because I think so much of our our personal sense of worth and so much of our identities are tied to what we do or what people told mm. us that we were good at or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Like yeah. if you, if for some reason or another, someone told you, you could never be on air again. If you could, you just have to walk away from media in general. What, who would you be and what would you be doing? Yeah. Me, me personally, is that, yeah, I, I didn't know. If it's, yeah. Yeah. Man, I'd have to serve somehow. Um, that, and, and, and when I say that it sounds a little, I don't know, highfalutin or it sounds like, like, Oh, super evolved. Is that what you think? I'm like, no, like this took me years to get to this point. Like I was in corporate America for over 20 years and it was all about what's in it for me. I'm stepping into he, this place and I'm like, how much am I getting paid? Never asking the question, how will this change my life? How will this make me a better person? What am I going to become as a result of taking this job and this opportunity? So like all that shifted when I jumped into the real estate space, because truly real estate investors are on another level, right? Uh, aside from monetarily, they're on another level in terms of like their mindset and abundance. Like they're all about like no to scarcity, yes to all abundance. Like I know there's enough for all of us to eat and I don't see you as competition. And that was foreign to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like in the creative world, it's like, don't look at my paper. Don't even cheat, you know, because I got the secret sauce. Don't pay attention to what I'm doing because you're going to steal my money. You're going to steal my bonuses. I'm not going to be able to rise, right? Because 
because you're taking away my opportunities. Like that had to all get shedded. I had to operate, uh, upgrade my operating system because that was what I lived for decades. So I don't know, I'm answering your question, <laughs> but um, yeah. No, no, just, I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an awesome answer. I always told myself if I, if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, um, just trying to make anything as like simple as possible, simple as like, what do I like doing in my spare time? Like, you know, when I'm just alone or quiet, I think I would like, if all goals and milestones were met, if I finally, I guess, reached the pinnacle of whatever it is I was looking for, I think I'd maybe walk away and go to culinary school or just try something like completely left of whatever it is, trying to experience as much as I can in regards to just being a person, you know? Yeah. 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 Thanks. Because I I actually forgot (laughs) what the question I was trying to answer, but what would I be doing? I mean, it would have to be in some capacity of like, of, of serving and giving to people, not necessarily like, you know, I'm working in soup kitchens every day, but, but, you know, our, with our mission, because I didn't know what the mission was for my company until recently, uh, you know, but, you know, that mission is to make the world better one mic at a time. So we do that through like creating podcasts for people. And and we only work with certain individuals because we have to align with your mission. Now, if your stuff is all negative, you know, you're not, you're bringing like really bad energy to the room and like, or you're all about like, I don't really pick up like people with whether left or right politics. Like we don't want to get in that game because that's polarizing and it's creating a lot of agitation, uh, you know, in society. So like there's certain things I'm like, hey, your mission is this. We align with that. That aligns with our core values. So come on. Yeah, let's let's do this so that we can amplify your message. Um, so like if it's not that, like you said, if it isn't media, it would have to be somewhere, you know, somewhere where I'm like speaking on a stage or 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 I have opportunities to like serve people through, through knowledge and experience and like helping them get to the next level. I don't know what it gives me joy and fulfillment to like, just hear somebody say, Oh man, I listened to that show or I was a guest on your show or you, 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 you cracked the code on this one thing, man. And, and now I'm starting to level up like that one book you recommended, just anything like that. I don't know what vehicle I would serve that uh, if I didn't have this platform, uh, but I'd have to find a way, honestly, Rich. So um, I'm going to touch on something because I I did have a question in mind and you kind of shifted it, which is really cool because uh, one of the things that's going on a lot in media right now, one of the topics everyone's talking about is uh, cancel culture, whether that's Mm -hmm. a thing or not a thing, um, what's being perceived as negative or what's positive in regards to media, what roles the media should play in society. Do you have any thoughts in general on cancel culture? We don't really have to go into any type of specific example. I'm sure you could think of several. Uh, <laughs> that. But um, there's a lot of landmines on that. Yeah, that it's, road. it's a lot. It's a lot of landmines, man. It's, it's a lot. But yeah. um, if we could just talk on um, whether or not this is a, a human issue or a free speech issue, or what your thoughts are on that. I mean, it all boils down to, you know, a human issue, right? Because humans are behind all the decision making, you know, whether right or wrong. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big proponent of of controlling the levers and the knobs on things. Like, you know, I'm all for free speech. I'm all for voicing your opinion, whether you, people agree with it or not. It's up to them, right? You step, step, put the headphones on or take them off, right? If you're offended, then take them off. You know, um, I, I, I always dance in the middle all my life. You know, I, I, I don't. Whenever people would argue, and a lot of my friends, uh, when we get together, they, they want to debate. 
Like they, they get joy out of that. I don't know what they get some fulfillment out of fighting with each other. And I would always just stay quiet. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to participate in this, man. You guys are just fighting for fights for no reason. It's so silly. And that's what I feel about this whole thing. It's like people just want to, you know, shake up the pot and, 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 you know, get something rile themselves up because maybe it gives them some sense of, um, of, um, significance, you know, cause everybody, you know, either this dude, this is the crazy thing. I just got back from a Tony Robbins event, whether you love or hate him. I mean, the dude's effective, right? He, he's in a global yeah. sensation and known by billions of people around the world for, for no reason. And, and, and here's something I want to share with everybody. If they get anything out of this is there's, there's six basic human needs, not basic. I'm sorry. Cause basic is food, water and all that stuff. But six human needs that people, um, once you identify this, you can fill those buckets up for them. So if you're talking to a potential client and they start saying these things and you can pinpoint the top two, then you can just fill those buckets for them, right? So number one is like somebody either wants certainty or number two, they want uncertainty. So like my wife falls right into that certainty bucket where she like, I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I want to know that I have a house over my head. I want to know I have like the kids that, you know, we have something to eat. Like she wants certainty and that, that gives her safety. Um, and then there's people, I'm guessing I'm going to bucket you with me in uncertainty. Yeah. We thrive on the unpredictable. We thrive on jumping out of an airplane. We thrive out of things where it's like owning a business. That's not for everybody owning a business. It's, it's scary, right? Because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, so there's uncertainty. And then the, the the third one is significance. There are people out there that need significance. And, and I would say that that's for me too. That's why we have media, right? That's why we have our own shows. Like I want to feel significant. Um, and one of the extreme examples he gave was someone who cheats the system by saying, I'm going to grab significance right away without earning it is like, Osama bin Laden, right? Like he, yeah. he took down the towers and he influenced all these people to do really evil shit. And it was like, because he was like the 22nd or 23rd kid in the family, he had no significance, no voice. So like this gave him a feeling of power and significance. Same thing with someone who holds a gun to your head. All of a sudden that person in a split second becomes the most significant person in your life. And they're like, yeah, yeah man, I am significant now and I'm feeling that I'm filling that bucket for myself. So then number three, but those are extreme negative cases. Um, yeah. But then there's um, there's four, which is love and connection, right? I'm all about like bringing a community in and loving on them and like pouring into them and figuring out how we can help them get to the next level. And then the last two are really like when you've leveled up, like those things you have control and awareness of, you know, being certainty, uncertainty, um, significance, and love and connection. The the next ones are like growth. You get into growth mindset and and, and you want to just be vulnerable and figure out how you can get answers to the things that you need to do next. And then the the last one is uh, contribution, right? You get to see all like these multimillionaires, if not billionaires, and they just like pour into charities, right? Because they've gotten to that level, like that super high level of like, I just need to give. I just need to pour into something. I need to contribute to society and the world. So that was kind of cool, man. Like being able to learn and then like get that planted in my head so that now whenever I have conversations with people, I'm like, oh, this person wants significance. So let me get them on a podcast, you know, yeah. or they need certainty. Let me tell them the numbers behind, you know, like the ROI on something so that they feel certain that they're going to get this result. I I think that's that's a really awesome point. Even though there were extremes there, like super extremes. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it drove the point home. I, I think 
And I actually really like Tony Robbins. I've checked out a lot of his stuff. I think awesome. there's a lot you could take, whether you like him or not. I think there's always something you can take away from that. I feel like the market dictates certain things. If people like it, then they like it. You know what I mean? They'll go yeah. out, they'll buy it, or they'll see it, or they'll listen to it, or whatever's going on. And if people don't like it, then they won't they won't patron it. But yeah. the idea that one person doesn't like something, so they are on a crusade to get other people to not like it, mm-hmm. I never really got. But maybe yeah. I'm just sort of looking at it from one point of view. I can understand how someone could take something personally and then feel that uh, they have to, I guess, react to it in that way. You know, you're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm completely aligned with you. And if we use those six, um, you know, needs, those six human needs, and we identify people who get involved in cancel culture, right? Mostly keyboard warriors. And they see something that they don't like and they don't agree with and it offends them. Well, they are looking for significance because now I have the power to cancel you by creating a movement behind tearing you down. There are certain individuals like you and I that want to build, right? We want to build skyscrapers. And there's other people that say, I can't build a skyscraper as high, so I'm going to tear yours down. Right. Or I'm going to tear yours down to the level where it's down with me. So those are the people I feel like get involved in cancer culture. I understand they want significance and they don't know any other way to do it. They don't know know any other way to get it. So they have to do it that way, which feels makes them feel empowered. And then there's the there's the immediacy of it. You don't really have to go out and do like a ton of work to cancel someone. You can just sit on your couch and you can just (laughs) report them or you just like, you know, write the comments. Yeah, who's exactly, next? Exactly, like he's coming. Yeah. And then if you're if you're a celebrity or you're a really really popular person, I can and I like that whole significance thing. I can put myself on your level. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm powerful. I'm that person who has the gun to your head now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm not for, you know, we, we live in America, right? So there's certain things that make us unique to make us the most powerful superpower in the world. And the thing is, um, what I see happening with cancel culture is stuff that's already happening in other countries, right? And, and it's not a place that I want to live in. So it's weird. It's all sort of turning into something with cancel culture being a part of it. Um, you know, that I don't know. I, I just, I, I just, it's 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 interesting to watch it all unfold as well what i'll say so do you feel like maybe like you know the cultural shift goes back maybe it's like a pendulum that like you know it swings high enough where yeah. like you know now there's a opposite reaction and now everyone shifts back towards or sort of revolt against like what they consider to be politically correct yeah, I'm with you. I, I I agree with that. So in anything in life, right, you can go extreme one way or extreme the other, but the pendulum always has to hang in the middle at some point, yeah. right? For balance, um, just like for example, if you're the you're you're a workaholic, right, or you're an entrepreneur that's that's grinding and starting a business, uh, well, you're working really really hard, 70, 80 hours a week, you can't sustain that. Right, just like this can't sustain. At some point, you're either going to swing to the opposite end of the spectrum and take three months off and burn out. Right, that's the opposite. Or you can live a balanced life of not working super, super hard, but not taking three, four months a year off, and just work at a pace that's healthy. Right. So I feel like what you're saying here, it's not healthy. Right, because it's so extreme. 
It's, you know, it's, it's so extreme that at some point, hopefully we land in the middle. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. So uh, really quick, because I know like, you know, where we have these time constraints, I wanted to talk to you more about, and hopefully we could run this back later because I'm really enjoying this conversation. Yeah, this is great. Um, entrepreneurship. We've, in the last couple of years, we've seen this shift where when I initially told my parents I wanted to be an entrepreneur, they sort of looked at that as synonymous to bump. Like my parents were like <laughs> Haitian immigrants. So they're like, you want to be an entrepreneur. So you just don't want to be employed. Like my dad just heard, oh, so you, you just want to, you want to be a bum. You just want to like right. couch surf and, you know, live in the basement for the rest of your life. Um, and it turned into this thing now where I think um, due in large part to social media is become very sexy. And like, you know, you have hustle porn and you have all this stuff, but I mean, the reality of entrepreneurship to me is it couldn't be further away from like the highlight reel that is social media. How do you mm-hmm. see the the entrepreneurship lane? And I'll I'll even throw in the gig economy um, playing a role in in just the future of the American workforce. And also, how do you feel COVID may have sped that up or slowed it down? Yeah, remind me of the second part because I'm, I'm I'm sure I'll forget it. Um, yeah. but yeah, the the hustle porn is something that. Um, there, there's good and bad to it, right? It inspired the heck out of me, you know, to get into the game. Um, if it weren't for all of that content, I, I may not have been inspired or realized, you know, that Gary V, you know, straight up immigrant from Belarus came here and made it, right? So that that inspired the heck out of me to hear that that kind of content and hear those stories. Here's the thing that I want to share with budding entrepreneurs or people just getting into the game is, and can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, go nuts. This shit is real. Like if you think you're going to be an overnight success or you're going to be some influencer that's going to have a million followers overnight, meaning like a year or or whatever overnight means to you, the thing is, this is a long game. This takes a long ass time and be prepared to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for like three or four years before you even start to pay yourself because this is hard. Entrepreneurship, and that's what they don't talk about that you got to build relationships. You got to build a reputation. You got to build a product that people care about, right? Something that you know, you got to figure it out. You got to crack the code. What is? What can I create that people find valuable and can solve a problem that everyone's having? If you can't figure those things out, then stay in a job. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with having a W-2 um, yeah. because this is hard. It is a grind. and And the reality of it is, 99% of businesses fail within 10 years. 99%. So, and I forgot all the other statistics, but it's it, it's it's alarming. How you know it's all the chips are stacked against us, all of them. I try because I think when people hear me talk about entrepreneurship, they think I'm trying to discourage them. But I'm like, dude, I, I went through it. I it was it took me 10 years to get to my first six figures. And it wasn't like a, this gradual thing where it's like this year I'm making 10 grand, this year I'm making 20 grand, this year I'm making 30 grand. It literally was like four years of making nothing. Right. And then the fifth <laughs> year I made a little something. And yeah. then it went from, it was a fairly large jump where I made a breakthrough and it went from like, okay, I'm making like 50 to like now I'm making a hundred. It wasn't like this gradual yeah. thing. You don't know. That right. speaks to that uncertainty mindset. You, yeah. you have no idea what's going to happen next. You deal with depression. Um, mm-hmm. 
losing relationships, not being able to be there for holidays or family as much as you'd like to. Um, A social life. Uh, It's entrepreneurs. And again, I forget if I forget the statistics, but um, we're more prone to depression. We're more prone to suicide and Mm -hmm. like just anxiety. Yeah. How do you navigate? I'm going to go back to the original question in terms of like, you know, the gig economy and everything. But how do you navigate those feelings yourself? Do you still have them? Is that something that you figured out or? I, I will say this. I have them, but they're less. Right. Yeah. S- say I had like a hundred of those thoughts a day, you know, you know, years ago uh, when I first stepped out of the, the corporate game. Um, because I, I, here's the thing. Entrepreneurship that no one talks about is really. um it's it's really personal growth and self-development in disguise because if you don't level up your mindset and you don't level up your belief system and your operating system, you're not going to survive. You know, like there, you got to get into a rhythm and you got to get into uh, the recipe for success and all of that stuff, you know, like Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues, right? All the successful people out there in the world do the same shit, right? They get up early, right? They eat right. They don't put garbage into their body, right? They meditate or they pray. And they, you know, they, they pour into their family. They make sure that it's balanced, right? They don't ignore their family. Like we've all met someone or know someone or heard a story about some multimillionaire, if not billionaire, that's miserable, right? He's got all the money in the world, but he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids. Or if he does, they hate him, right? Or her. So the thing is, for me, it's always about stacking all the chips. You know, I'm like, I'm a poker player. So it's all like, yeah, I got the financial chip stack, but what about the love? What about the family? What about the spirituality? What about the you know health and wellness? Like you got to stack all those chips at the same time or else, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's really, it's all about the mindset for me and like daily practice and exercise of all those things I mentioned, spirituality, health and wellness, family, you know, finance and business relationships, all the stuff that makes me happy. I pay attention to. I think I could do a better job of that myself. And it's, it's really cool to have conversations with guys that remind me, Hey, like you, you do have to invest and pour into these other glasses as well as like, you know, the work class I'll lock into something and I'll forget to eat, man. I'll, I'll skip the gym. So I'll true. like, you know, I'll just, I'll yeah. eat something later and I'll forget. Like I'll like, I'll, I'll call my, my cousin later, like, that type of thing. And I have to remember to kind of try my best to keep it balanced. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, all those, all those glasses get filled or all those chips get stacked slower when you're concentrating mm-hmm. on all of them at the same time, but at least you'll live a happier life, you know, yeah. as a result of putting that energy in. So back to that, uh, the question I asked you in regards to the the gig economy and entrepreneurship and and where the workforce is going. I remember when share spaces first started to emerge to address um, the whole startup culture. And like, you know, it started off as this really small thing that like, you know, was maybe hyper local in a couple of big cities to now they're all over the place. And now um, you're looking at... uh, more and more startups, more and more entrepreneurship. I know the numbers are bleak in terms of those, the businesses that survive, but I guess more people are feeling uh, optimistic about that sort of thing. Um, we see um, how things shifted to remote work in terms of um, due to COVID and everything like that. More and more people are leaning into wanting to be influencers and maybe not seeking out, uh, I guess, traditional jobs. Where do you see this thing going in terms of entrepreneurship, employment, and all that other stuff in, in the near future? Well, there's definitely more options, 
right? Because you don't have to physically go to a space to work there. Like I remember when I was interviewing on jobs, it was like, how far is the commute? Like that was a factor. That was like the top, one of the top three. Like how much you paying me? How far is this commute? You know, do I like, you know, where I'd be working? Um, so I think that one of those is definitely easier for people because now you can zoom in, right? It's not expected for you to come in. Uh, there's good and bad to that. You know, because for me, I'm a culture guy. Like I need to be in the room with people to feel their vibe and 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 we gain energy from that and we we get to know each other and we grow as a family. Uh, it's hard to do, you know, manage our teams now virtually. I mean, we still try our best to like, we always have our like month, uh, Monday morning calls. Uh, we always like celebrate wins um, in that call, each and every individual, no matter how many people are in there. Um, and then like, there's always an opportunity for an ask. Is there something in your, in your life personally or something in the business uh, that you're struggling with? It's all open here. Like there's no judgment. So like trying to build that culture virtually is, yeah, it's challenging, but those are the things and steps that we've taken to, to ensure that our culture is still uh, reverberating through, through the airwaves, you know? Um, but then we also, our core team at least tries to meet at least once a quarter. So, uh, my current business partner lives in, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is like five hours from me here in New Jersey. And we make sure like every quarter. Yeah. I'm in Jersey. Yeah. I'm in Jersey. Like, why didn't we do it in Jersey? <laughs> yeah. We got to meet up. We got to meet up. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so it's like, yeah, it just, Finding a cadence that supports the culture, um, you know, my business is different. It's very similar to yours where it's like, you know, we're hands-on, like we, we have tactics, we have strategies, but then we have a team that implements those strategies, you know, through tactics. So, but there's other companies, you know, I have friends with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of workforce all over the world. I mean, we have, we have contractors all over the globe too, but um, they're not part of the core team making the decisions uh, that, that will move the needle every day. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a challenge, man. And I I foresee like it's there's good and bad to it because because of the culture and that that is a struggle. Like I I have people that like high um, so I'm friends with uh, uh, the chief heart officer at at Vayner and and she struggles with this too. You know, she's like I, I don't have the exact answer. I'm doing what you're doing. You know, have our Zoom meetings and then and then and then have little questions and stuff that we do uh, to to make sure that we instill the the core values each and every day in people because dude if you can't if you're if you're not if you're working in a company and you don't drink the Kool-Aid it's hard man it's hard to stay motivated you got to drink the Kool-Aid and believe in what they're doing and that it's going to make a difference uh, I, I'm guilty of that man I've been in corporations where I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid and I just I phoned it in I'd give them 40 percent and that sucks like I should just have, I should have just left like sooner than later um, so it's a challenge and I think that um there's going to be different versions of the companies and, and corporations and, and, and entrepreneurs out there. We already touched on it. Entrepreneurs, um, you know, most of us are going to fade away. You know, one of my companies already, you know, a couple of my companies, you know, they're gone. Um, and I'm like, luckily we did multitask at a time because I had multiple companies running at the same time. Yeah. So this one's succeeding. Um, but yeah, pivoting too is really, if you're an entrepreneur that can recognize there's an opportunity and you have to pivot. So for real quick example, and I know we spilt over time here is like two, two restaurant owners during COVID during 2020, right? One sat back and said, Oh, there's all these restrictions. I can't get those people. In my, I can't get, you know, I can't serve them. In my, I don't know, 25 people. How can I do 25% of that? That's crazy. I'm not going to be able to run my business. So I'm just going to sit here in front of the restaurant just until it's ready to open. And then you got the guy across the street that's like, wait a minute, this might be an opportunity to serve people. Why don't I create a tent outside? 
Why don't I put heaters? Or why don't I do this? Why don't I start delivering? Right? Why don't I start figuring out a new? And then why don't I open a ghost kitchen where now I could serve different types of food, but it's all coming from the same kitchen? Like I literally know a business owner in Jersey that did that. He's got ten ghost kitchens running out of one place. It's crazy. He's serving Greek food, Indian food, Italian food, and people have no idea when it comes from Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever it is. It's all from one place. Dude created ten businesses out of one. Meanwhile, literally, there's a dude across the street. Like, huh? What am I going to do? He's going to fold his business any day now. So it's really about the mindset. That's the mindset and the creativity and recognizing the opportunities and pivoting when you need to pivot. Yeah, I think that's the one important thing uh, to hold on to as an entrepreneur or a small business owner or however you want to identify is once you get to the point to not let go of that thing that allows you to improvise and change and evolve and just accept the fact that there's going to be change coming, like whether or not it's a pandemic, there are going to be adjustments to the market or to people or to the world. You're just going to have to go with it. You're going to have to flow and and go with that curve or stay ahead of the curve or, you know, get get left behind, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be, be comfortable with change, right? Because that's necessary. And I know we we uh, definitely went over it, but uh, really quick, speaking of VaynerMedia, um, when I was in one of those, speaking of, I don't want to call it hustle porn, but um, when I was in one of those, like, I guess, lulls, or I was kind of um, in this sort of uh, downturn or spiral or whatever, I saw um, Gary V. I I think he was speaking at Harvard, or I forget what college he was speaking at. And um, yeah, that one piece of content kind of gave me just enough energy to just fuck it. Let me give it one more day. You know what I yeah. mean? Let me, yeah. let me give it one more week. So I yeah. do think that that sort of thing is important, but we, we also need the the opposite, which Gary also does. He'll let you know, dude, this isn't easy. You're going to have to work at it. There's, yeah. there's two sides of this coin. Yeah. What I, what I love about him, um, you know, he, he, he's the same dude behind the camera and off the mic as he is like when he's, it's, it's not two different people. And I love one of his pieces of advice is, um, Somebody asked him at the end of an event, they're like, oh, what's two words that you can say that will help people? And literally, no joke, not even a, not even a pause. He says, you're going to die. Now, that's three, that's three words, right? And it's super, super pessimistic. But if you think about it, we all are going to die, right? No one is going to slip past the, the, the bouncer, right? We're all eventually going away. This is all temporary. And we got to just enjoy every single day and take the opportunities and be less fearful because it's short as hell, man. This is going to go like that. And you got to make the most of this game while you're in it because eventually the game is over, right? And then there's a scorecard and there's people who won and there's people who lost. And do you want to be one of those people that locked themselves up, stayed home, ate Cheetos and watched Netflix all day because you didn't want to take any risks, right? And I don't want to even fail because to me, failure is, is success and progress. Fail, failing is learning. And yeah. a lot of that mindset was, I didn't adopt that. Like I was not told that my dad all, all my life was like, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. That's going to cause some people to stay curled up and stay home and, and play safe. But seriously, you're going to die is probably some of the best advice that he could ever give because we have to put that in perspective. Every single day when you wake up, you got your two legs, you got your two arms, you got your sight, you got everything. Most of us anyway, yeah. have all of the necessary tools. We grew up in America, like the yeah. land of opportunity. Wake up and take advantage of this. There's so much money to be made out there. 
But don't forget this. It's not like you're going to go out there and you're going to grab it. You're going to steal it. You got to offer value to get that money, right? You got to offer something that people need in order to get that exchange. So anyway, I can get off my soapbox now. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I know you, you had to go. I know you, we went over and you stayed with me, which I I super appreciate. You're in Jersey. So we got to do this again in person. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just, I'll put this on the airways live here is, um, you know, now that everything's sort of getting back to, to, to whatever our, our normal is here, um, I want to put together creative meetups. And so we have studios here in Trenton, New Jersey, and um, it's, I think it's needed. I think there's so many different types of meetups, but there aren't a whole lot around the creative social media podcasting uh, space. So, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that. Like, how do we get us on stage? How do we pour into the community? Because they're there. They want to show up. They just don't have, like, if you go on the meetups, there's not a whole lot of local New Jersey, like, creative meetups. I'm, I'm yeah. totally with it, man. I'm, yeah. I usually, um, you're absolutely right, because um, most of the stuff I get invited to or most of the stuff I'm doing is outside of Jersey. So, yeah. 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 So I'm, I think I'm it's really necessary. But yeah, let's talk about it. Definitely. Yeah. I'll shoot you cool. an email, man. Cool. All right. So I really appreciate you for coming on. And I, I guess we're going, sh- we're going to run this back in person again. Really, really. Soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not that far from me. It's, it's yeah, a drive. We, not that far. we have studios. It looks like you have a beautiful studio too, but yeah, I'm happy to have yeah. you in the studio. If you want to do a show, show awesome. live as well. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah, a, our on-air brands live show every Wednesday. Um, but yeah, happy to, happy to have you in and, and, and do some yeah. more stuff like this. Yeah. All right, cool. man. Thanks. I really appreciate right, it. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Catalyst Case. This is Reg, and you're listening to Thought Hack.